the planet, you glow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-token lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us here on another beautiful sunny day in Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't know if you're going to be able to get me to leave this place. It is so nice here. Of course, it is just March. Uh, you have to ask me again sometime in July or August if I want to be in Scottsdale, Arizona. But for now, it's it's very nice. I'm really appreciating, it, re- appreciating the sunshine. We've got a great show coming up for you today. The big news that's happening uh, right now in the medical marijuana world is Pennsylvania is on the precipice of being the 24th medical marijuana state. But there is some controversy about what kind of medical marijuana state it will be. That'll be the subject of our show today. Joining us for our activist agenda, we've got Patrick Nightingale. He's a longtime activist there on the recreational and the medical side of marijuana reform out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We'll be talking to him about this new Pennsylvania medical marijuana bill. It uh, has cleared the House. It's back to the Senate for reconciliation. And in a few weeks, Pennsylvania might be the 24th medical marijuana state. That's coming up at half past, so stay tuned for that. Then following the interview, we're going to go on a radical rant at the end of the show. And I'm going to show you how that Pittsburgh medical marijuana bill, the recent uh, phase three clinical trials with GW Pharmaceuticals Epidiolex, and the primary victories of Hillary Rodham Clinton all bode badly for the evolution of medical marijuana in this country. I'll tell you why when we get to the radical rant at the end of the show. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time to do some drug war data mining and in the data mines today, some mixed messages about kids and marijuana in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Uh, They're kind of misreading some of the statistics, so we'll set them straight in the drug war data mines. Uh, Today, for Behind the Headlines, we actually have a stupid prohibition story for you coming out of Chicago. Uh, has to be heard to be believed. Our old-timey 1920s radio reporter, Freddie Farrakh, will be joining us via flux capacitor uh, to tell us all about it. But first, we'll go to the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we'll be talking about Iowans and their fight for medical marijuana. We've got a bill in Alabama to expand their CBD oil law. Connect Connecticut lawmakers looking at pediatric medical marijuana use. We've got the attorney general of Massachusetts opposing marijuana legalization. No surprise there. Pittsburgh has got a new misdemeanor or a new uh, decriminalization uh, initiative that we'll have to tell you all about. We'll also talk to uh, Patrick Nightingale about that as well. And another medical marijuana company finding that Google is not so friendly when it comes to advertising your medical marijuana company. That's all coming up in the Cannabis Radio News. That'll be followed uh, in our second hour with Toker Talk Radio. The phone lines will be open here. I've got the Skype working again today at 971-533-7111. And before we go much further, let's all stop and pause for a moment here. 
and think about the people that have lost their lives to today and whose lives will be forever impacted from injuries suffered in Brussels, Belgium. Devastating terror attack that uh, had explosives going off at the airport and the subway. As someone who travels for a living, uh, every time I hear one of these stories, I I just feel for the people involved in it. And it could be you, it could be me, it could be anywhere, anytime. And let's hope we can put an end to this madness. We're back with the Cannabis Radio News right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016. Supporters of legislation that would expand access to medical marijuana in Iowa say lawmakers are running out of time this session to pass the bill. A group known as Iowans for Medical Cannabis held a rally Tuesday outside the Capitol in support of a medical marijuana bill introduced earlier this session. They called out leaders in the Republican-controlled House, which currently has control of the measure. 
Organizers say time is running out to take action on the bill, which would create a system for manufacturing, dispensing, and possessing medical marijuana in Iowa. It could require approval in at least two more legislative committees and chamber votes before Governor Terry Branstad would review it. A message for House Republican leaders was not immediately returned Tuesday. A lawmaker is seeking to further legalize medical marijuana oil in Alabama in a bid to help families dealing with serious epilepsy and other conditions. State Representative Mike Ball, a Republican, originally supported a piece of legislation called Carly's Law in 2014, which sought to establish a cannabidiol study at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. The House Judiciary Committee heard public testimony Wednesday on Ball's new bill, also known as Lenny's Law. Lenny Young, the legislation's namesake, suffered a stroke in utero and was diagnosed soon after birth with an epilepsy condition and a rare form of cerebral palsy. After Lenny was denied access to the UAB study, the young family decided to leave their family and jobs in Alabama to move to Oregon, where they could legally access cannabidiol, also called CBD oil. Lenny has had five seizures since moving to Oregon 10 months ago. Ball's legislation would provide up to 3% THC in legal CBD oils. Connecticut lawmakers moved closer Monday toward allowing qualified patients under age 18 to use medical marijuana, with many saying they were inspired by stories from young people seeking relief from debilitating illnesses. The General Assembly's Public Health Committee overwhelmingly forwarded the legislation to the House of Representatives for further action. The bill's approval came days after a funeral was held in Montville for 13-year-old Cindy May Meehan, whose family moved her from Connecticut to Maine to receive medical marijuana to treat a rare form of epilepsy. Under the bill, a dispensary could not provide a medical marijuana product that can be inhaled to someone under age 18 years old. The bill also requires consent from a parent or guardian before a qualified young patient can be recommended medical cannabis. In November, a proposed ballot question could go before Massachusetts voters that would legalize marijuana for general adult use. Attorney General Maura Healy is asking residents if this does become a ballot question to say no. She wants to first see how it plays out in other states that have legalized marijuana, saying, quote, not now, not at this time. We're in the midst of this opioid crisis. I think it's really important that we talk about the public health aspects, which haven't really been talked about. Legalizing recreational marijuana, I think, is a really bad idea for many reasons. But to me, most important is the health and well-being of young people, according to the attorney general. A person busted with or caught smoking a small amount of marijuana won't be slapped with a misdemeanor in Pittsburgh, but also won't walk away without a record per an amended ordinance going before the Pittsburgh City Council this morning. Instead, Pittsburgh police would issue a summary citation punishable by a fine of $100 for smoking or $25 for possession of a small amount of marijuana. That would appear on a criminal record as violating certain defined conduct, the amendment states, rather than including the words such as marijuana or controlled substance. Summaries can be expunged in five years if the defendant is convicted and do not require the defendant to be fingerprinted or to appear at a preliminary hearing. The updated ordinance is scheduled to be presented to council today and could be approved as soon as next Tuesday, after which the mayor could sign it. A Minnesota-based medical marijuana company says Google is blocking its attempts to advertise online. Virio, the parent company of Minnesota Medical Solutions, tried to take out a series of online ads in New York where it operates four clinics and is one of a handful of companies chosen by that state to grow and manufacture medical cannabis. Each time, Google rejected the ads, citing its policy against promoting, quote, dangerous products or services, end quote. 
This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good plot, that's bad plot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Stupid Prohibition Stories. As a public service, the Russ Belleville Show reminds you that smoking marijuana does not make one stupid. However, some stupid people do smoke marijuana, and Prohibition is always waiting for another victim. Learn your lesson from today's Stupid Prohibition Stories. With your Stupid Prohibition Stories, I'm old-timey 1920s radio reporter Freddie Farrakh. In what Riverside police are calling probably the easiest cannabis arrest they've ever made, a Chicago woman has been accused of smoking pot in her car outside the police station in a parking space reserved for police cars. According to the news release from Riverside Police Department, Elizabeth Kleba, age 21, on Monday was parked in a spot marked Police Unit Parking Only outside the station. She was waiting for a friend who on Saturday who had been charged with DUI and was attempting to retrieve her impounded vehicle. When an officer approached the 2002 Toyota, Kleba was in the driver's seat. The passenger window was open and the officer, quote, could smell the very strong odor of cannabis coming from inside the vehicle, end quote, according to the news release. When Kleba exited her vehicle, she was asked if there was marijuana inside and replied there was, police said. The officer recovered a container with a substance that tested positive for marijuana and two items used for smoking marijuana, 
of which contained the substance, police said. Klima was cited under village ordinances for possession of cannabis, possession of drug paraphernalia, and also for improper parking. Riverside Police Chief Thomas Weitzel said, quote, To think that an individual would come into the police parking lot, park in a spot that was posted as police unit parking only, and then openly smoke cannabis is simply absurd. The smoking of cannabis and cannabis possession has become so commonplace in America today that individuals don't give it a second thought as to where and when they smoke it, not even if it is in a police station parking lot, end quote. I'm Freddy Farrakh with your stupid Oh, my God. Uh, Don't be that stoner. Look twice before you start toking up in a parking lot. What the hell are you thinking? You're taking your friend to the cop shop to pick up the car after a DUI impound. (laughs) And you want to roll up a fatty, huh? Nobody should have to go to jail for marijuana. Nobody should have to be punished for marijuana. But sometimes somebody does something so stupid, you wish that it was just against the law to be stupid. <laughs> right? Uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to take you in. No, no, it's, it's not for the cannabis, young lady. I'm afraid you're just too stupid to exist. <laughs> we, we can't have you out there in society <laughs> infecting the rest of the world with your stupid cooties. Oh my God! Ah, this is—you uh, can find this in the Chicago Tribune. It's available there uh, if you want to pass this story along. <laughs> the uh, title: "Woman Smoked Pot Outside Police Station in Parking Spot Marked for Squad Cars." <laughs> there are just some places you should not smoke a joint, folks. I'm thinking the police station parking lot is at the top of that list. Let's see. Police station parking lot, airport, casino parking lot. People don't think about that one. Especially the Indian casinos. you got to think about that, people. Casinos got more cameras per square inch than any place in America. And the, the Native American casinos, you're sometimes dealing with tribal laws or federal laws in those cases. National parks, there's another place you've got to be careful. You want to go to Yosemite or Crater Lake or Grand Canyon, you're dealing with federal fish and game officers. You're dealing with federal wildlife, federal national park officers who can bust you in those places. But uh, certainly not in the uh, Riverside Township police parking lot in a parking spot marked for police cars. You, you got to go out of your way to accomplish. That's like stupidity level 10. You've, you, you, you've opened up some special cheat codes. <laughs> your stupidity there. And it's kind of surprising too, this being a female getting busted. Almost every time I tell one of these stupid prohibition stories, it's some young guy doing something dumb. So thank you for increasing the diversity of our Stupid Prohibition Stories Hall of Fame. (laughs) 
Look both ways, folks. Be careful where you took. thinking of the children that's why we want to legalize marijuana in hour two i've got some statistics for you coming out of uh, cincinnati ohio that kind of underline that position so make sure you stay tuned for that but coming up next we're gonna do some drug war data mining we'll take a look what well, we're actually going to that cincinnati i was in the wrong hour it's actually coming up next lucky you Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the new era. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay, maybe you're high too. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at some data coming out of the greater Cincinnati, Ohio area, as well as northern Kentucky. And the shocking headline from Cincinnati.com is that kids use pot over cigarettes. Now, this isn't anything new as far as the national trends go. We've seen in the most recent surveys of young people that the use of cigarettes has declined dramatically in the past couple of decades, while the use of marijuana has remained relatively steady. So every time one of these stories comes out that says, ah, kids are using pot more than cigarettes, it's not because kids are using more pot. 
it's because kids are using far fewer cigarettes. And that kind of gets muddied in these headlines and muddied in the, the leads of these stories in, a, in an attempt to try to gin up some controversy, right? There hasn't been much change in marijuana use. But by presenting this headline, kids use pot over cigarettes, in the context of the recent reforms we've seen in medical and, of course, marijuana legalization, that can lead the reader to in, to infer that the pot use has gone up because of legalization. So I always like to bring these stories up to make sure everyone is well informed on the facts that the marijuana use has remained relatively steady even as we've been legalizing despite what our opponents have always warned. Let me get into some of the numbers here for you. Alcohol is by far used most by these kids. And this was a survey of 40,000 students, middle school and high school, grades 7 through 12. 88 public and private schools in the greater Cincinnati area and Kenton County in northern Kentucky. So 40,000 kids. And what they found was for past 30-day use, 16.3% of the kids reported using alcohol. That's one out of six kids, as young as seventh graders here we're talking, that mentioned that they use alcohol. Then, tobacco was reported at 8.2% use, and marijuana reported at 11.7% use. So we got one out of six kids drinking, one out of nine kids using marijuana, and 8.2% works out to one out of 12 about, okay? Okay. So there's some comparison, one out of six for alcohol, one out of nine for marijuana, one out of 12 for tobacco. And again, it's because that tobacco number has dropped precipitously in the past couple of decades. Ever since 1998, when the big tobacco lawsuits went through and the damages required them to have to not advertise, to have to put the cigarettes behind the counters, put them in locked up, require stronger ID carding for the kids, get rid of cigarette billboards, get rid of cigarettes involved in professional sports, get rid of cigarette advertising in almost all forms. All of those changes have helped to decrease the use of cigarettes by kids. And most strongly, I believe, is the requirement that they fund these anti-tobacco ads, these truth campaigns that teach the kids what a terrible, awful drug and habit cigarettes actually are. We shouldn't be surprised when we give the kids accurate information about tobacco that they realize, hey, that death ain't cool. <laughs> How about we not smoke? Now, they also mention this, that since 2000, Alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana use have declined significantly. And this is where it's interesting to get the quotes from the people that are reported on. And, you know, they talk to these drug prevention people, and then they put these facts in between their, their talking points, and there's just some, some contradiction there. Alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana use has declined significantly since 2000. And so then we have one of these prevention people uh, – Dennis Dieters, 
from Hamilton County says marijuana has become very prevalent. It's becoming more so. It is dangerous to our children and enhances their risk when they become adults for serious addiction. Gateway theory. But didn't we just say that the medic, the marijuana use has declined since 2000? So if marijuana is becoming prevalent and more so, yet the marijuana use is declining, what is the point you're trying to make? The, uh, what's this woman's name? Uh, where is she? Mary Hag, the president and CEO of Prevention First, warns that the perception of kids' harm that drugs cause, their, their perception of harm has been growing since 2000. That's to say, when you ask kids, do you think drugs are risky? More and more of them think, yes, drugs are bad. They shouldn't, shouldn't mess around with them. Except the case of marijuana. She says, as student age, quote, their perceptions of harm decrease and use increases, end quote. But didn't we just hear that since 2000, marijuana use has declined significantly? How can this be both ways? Sure, as kids get older, they're more likely to try marijuana. But has their rate of trying marijuana, even among the 11th and 12th graders, increased? No. Since 2000, the survey there in the greater Cincinnati area shows fewer kids are using marijuana. Now, does their perception of risk drop? Sure. As more kids know marijuana's medicine, as more kids know it can't cause an overdose, as more kids know that it's falsely classified in Schedule 1, as more kids see the reports coming out of medical marijuana states and legalized states that the sky hasn't fallen, of course their perception of risk is going to drop. Stay tuned, we got Patrick Nightingale on the 9 next from Pennsylvania. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. 
Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everybody. It is 32 after the hour, and joining us for today's activist agenda, we've got a great activist from the Pennsylvania area. We've got Patrick Nightingale on the line. How are you doing, Patrick? Uh, Russ, I'm doing fantastic, and thank you very much uh, uh, for taking the time out to talk to uh, some of us in the what I like to call the hinterlands of cannabis reform out east. Yes. Now, are you in Pittsburgh or still in Harrisburg with the uh, the, the politicking going on? Uh, I'm in Pittsburgh right now, and uh, our medical marijuana legislation is currently being considered by uh, the Pennsylvania Senate, and the Senate needs to make a decision whether or not to accept the version that was sent over by the House in its entirety or whether or not it is going to uh, uh, send back amended language and further uh, continue to, uh, to debate and negotiate what our medical marijuana legislation will finally look like. Let's start uh, by telling our listeners what the basics are of the Pennsylvania medical marijuana legislation, and then we'll start putting toppings on it like a pizza. We'll figure out what all these amendments are. But what are some of the basics first? The basics are that we would create a medicinal cannabis program with uh, 15 qualifying conditions uh, with a limitation on available cannabis products uh, for those patients uh, who have qualifying conditions, a restricted number of uh, licensed grows and dispensaries, uh, somewhat along the lines of the Illinois model, but not quite as open as the Colorado model, and with creating a medical marijuana advisory board uh, that would include uh, members of the medical community and members of law enforcement who would then be tasked with promulgating regulations for the license application process, as well as for regulations for how the industry itself will operate. It is a regulation-heavy bill, and that is what was we had to do to get it through uh, the cesspool known as Harrisburg. Sure, sure. Now, uh, let's start with the uh, conditions, because I know one thing that caught my eye, and I don't know if this was in the original bill or if this was something the House added, but the condition of autism, which is the first time I think I've seen a medical state put that down you know, explicitly. Of course, California can get it for anything, but explicitly. Uh, is that, uh, did that come from the House or was that in the original bill? That came from uh, one of the over 200 House amendments that were, were introduced. The majority of the House amendments that were introduced were designed to derail uh, this legislation, to knock it off its track. But Representative Russ Diamond from the uh, eastern part of our state, and, and I apologize, my apologies to Representative Diamond. I don't uh, specifically recall his district. But Representative Diamond introduced two critical amendments, one of which was introducing autism, 
uh, as a qualifying condition. And that was not part of uh, Senate Bill 3. That was not part of our original legislation. And the other amendment that uh, Representative Diamond introduced, which was utterly critical, was an amendment that stripped a 10% THC cap from the House amendment that was being considered. And it only passed by 97 to 91. So we literally came within four or five votes of having a medicinal cannabis law that had a 10% THC cap on it. Yeah, it's so odd when you hear something like that, especially in my perspective coming from the West Coast, because uh, a lot of times we keep pointing out how the, the medical marijuana patients need so much more potent a medicine. So to want to arbitrarily cap it at 10%, that would be something you'd do for the recreational side, not the medical side, wouldn't you think? Yeah, if we were going to talk about it at all. But you right. have to understand that here in Pennsylvania, we were fighting back CBD-only uh, legislation. We were fighting back uh, strain restrictions. Mm. Uh, our bill, as it's passed right now, does not permit smoking uh, cannabis and does not permit the dis- dispensation of flower material. Right. Uh, so, you know, we have had a struggle to get uh, uh, momentum and traction through a very conservative Pennsylvania legislature. And that's what's frustrating because, you know, Pennsylvanians see what's going on in the rest of the country. We have critically ill uh, Pennsylvanians routinely traveling out of state to acquire medicinal cannabis products at, you know, obviously great legal peril to themselves. And the best our legislature can do is to, you know, try to uh, foist something upon us with arbitrary restrictions because some conservative, uh, socially conservative legislature from, you know, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, the heart of Amish country, is worried about diversion. So this is uh, sounding a lot like what we saw in Minnesota and New York. Uh, no home grow, no flower, no smoking. It'd all be like pills, tinctures, salves, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that be, exactly. That's what's in our bill. Uh, the language of the bill also includes hash oil concentrates and vaporization. So to the extent that I can sit here as a cannabis activist and give hope to uh, medicinal cannabis patients in Pennsylvania, we at least have that in there. Um, but it is it is not perfect by any means. And the other thing that concerns me about this legislation is the Medical Marijuana Advisory Board that I just described would include three representatives of law enforcement, yeah. chiefs of police, state police, and the District Attorneys Association, and the amendment would charge the Medical Marijuana Advisory Board with setting a per-dosage cap for medical marijuana products. Mm. So in other words, we've got three cops on a medical advisory board telling us how much uh, medical cannabis products should cost. Well, I know at the uh, uh, police academy there, they must spend a lot of time on all these medical issues for these cops to have that sort of authority, right? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. I recently found myself uh, <laughs> facing a felony manufacturing charge for a client who had an e-nail. I had to pull out Google uh, and, and online uh, videos to show, no, this is for consumption. This is not for manufacturing. <laughs> we have an uphill battle. <laughs> we have a very uphill battle in Pennsylvania, especially if law enforcement is going to be involved with our medicinal bill. The, the the prosecutor thought that a dab nail was for making concentrates? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, there was a butane torch used for cooking the wax, 
when the electronic device failed. I see. I am quoting from the affidavit of probable cause. <laughs> I, I, I shit you not. Wow. What an amazing uphill battle you've got to fight. We're speaking with Patrick Nightingale in Pennsylvania regarding this uh, bill. It's gone through the House. It's back at the Senate for reconciliation. Uh, do you see any more restrictions coming from the Senate side, or are they going to try to repeal some of these restrictions? What's happening on the Senate side, really? Well, you know, practically speaking, here in Pennsylvania, we have a budget crisis right now. Our governor has not signed the budget. Uh, the uh, Pennsylvania Republicans are at war with our Democratic governor. And, you know, the feedback that I am getting is that this is pure politics. The Republicans are not going to hand our governor a legislative victory with medicinal marijuana until the budget crisis is resolved. Mm. So I don't think the Senate is going to change the language at all, but I don't think that they're going to send it back to the House with concurrence until we have a resolution of our budget issue. So we have a situation where seriously sick and disabled, uh, ill people in Pennsylvania are political pawns in this game over the budget. And they have been for months. Uh, the House would not take up this uh, legislation uh, last year in 2015 because of the budget crisis. So hmm. it continues. But this governor is is uh, approving of this bill, right? We expect when it does get to his desk, we'll have the 24th medical marijuana state. Absolutely. Governor Wolf will sign this legislation uh, unless the, the, the patients and the advocates came to him and said, Governor, don't sign it. Uh, he has been a steadfast and stalwart supporter of medicinal car cannabis reform from the minute that he took office uh, in January of 2015. Uh, our former governor, Republican Governor Tom Corbett, refused to even meet with any of the families with uh, sick children, some of these uh, families with uh, Dravet syndrome, mm. uh, and these severely epileptic children. Governor Wolf has made a point of coming down and meeting with us each and every time that we are in Harrisburg. Uh, it has been such a radical change, but unfortunately, Governor Wolf is a Democratic governor in a state controlled by Republican majorities in both the House and the Senate. So his ability to you know, to get things done is obviously somewhat limited. Mm. But I'm glad you bring up the, the difference that a governor can make in this situation, because today a lot of people are voting in primaries across the country, Arizona, Utah, and uh, Idaho, my home state. And sometimes people in our community discount the value of their vote, like how much power there is in that. But it sounds to me like if Corbett was still there, this would be all a moot point, wouldn't it? It really would be, because we understood with Governor Corbett that we had to have veto-proof uh, excuse me, veto-proof majorities in both the House and the Senate in order to get this passed. And there is zero chance we could have had a veto-proof majority in the Pennsylvania House. We had it in the Senate, but we could not have pulled that off in the House. So it was absolutely critical to have a change uh, at the top. And that's the type of thing that, yes, it, it resonates all throughout the political process. Uh, uh, time and time again, people ask me, what can I do to help? And the response is, are you registered to vote? Do you know who your local representative is? Do you know who your local state senator is? Do you know who your federal representatives are? Because we cannot change anything in Pennsylvania unless it is done legislatively. And that is the reality. Yes. Well, Patrick, thank you for informing us on this state medical marijuana bill. While I've got you on the line, I was wondering if I could ask you about what's going on 
in uh, municipal wise in uh, Pittsburgh, which I understand is making some changes to a decrim situation there. Yes, it, we have introduced a decriminalization ordinance that would uh, call upon the city of Pittsburgh police to issue a local ordinance uh, summary violation uh, instead of charging someone with a misdemeanor level criminal offense. Philadelphia, uh, Chris Goldstein and uh, Mike Whiter and Nikki Allen Poe and some of those guys, they did this in uh, 2014. And to be completely honest with you, I did not think it would work. I did not think that uh, it was permissible under our uh, uh, under our supremacy clause. But in the ensuing time, they have seen an 80% reduction in arrests in the city of Philadelphia. That is 3,000 fewer people in Philadelphia being charged with misdemeanor-level cannabis uh, offenses. So we decided to bring that right here to Pittsburgh. And you know, our, the language of our ordinance needed to be tweaked just a little bit, and that actually happened today in city council. But I am uh, optimistic that by April, the city of Pittsburgh police will have policies and procedures so that an individual within the city of Pittsburgh uh, who is in possession of 30 grams or less of cannabis, 8 grams or less of hashish, will be cited with a local ordinance with a maximum $100 fine and will not be charged with a misdemeanor, which uh, would necessarily involve fingerprinting, going to court, hiring a lawyer, and potentially having a criminal conviction on your record for the rest of your days. Yeah, as I was reading the reports on this, Patrick, it seemed like it was somewhere in a realm between a pure decrim and a like a summons thing, in that there was still some sort of record that a person would have. It just wouldn't be the criminal uh, misdemeanor record. Am, am I correct on that? Yes, you are correct on that. We tried to imitate Philadelphia, which created a civil fine, a purely civil fine. And in the process, we discovered that only Philadelphia has the ability to do that in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Every other jurisdiction, every other city, every other municipality, I don't care if you're in Wilkes-Barre or in Erie or in Pittsburgh uh, or in Washington, wherever, any code violation, whether it's not cutting your grass, whether it's a noise violation, or it's not shoveling your sidewalk, any code violation is treated as a summary criminal offense. Hmm. Um, and quite frankly, we were all a little bit surprised by this. We didn't understand how a, no, uh, a, a local code ordinance would be treated as a summary offense by the courts, but that is the only mechanism we have in place in order to file this type of of, of ordinance procedurally. Hmm. Uh, What we did do is we changed the language of the ordinance so that when it is filed, if someone were to search uh, the uh, administrative office of Pennsylvania court's docket, they would see violation of a Pittsburgh ordinance uh, prohibiting certain types of conduct. It would say nothing about marijuana. So we believe that we have largely accomplished our goal of protecting people from, you know, that type of, of, of public scrutiny as a result of this, and most certainly not having fingerprinting and entering someone into the national searchable database is a, is a big uh, step in that direction. But, you know, Philadelphia did something that apparently only Philadelphia could do. And any idea how they got to be the unique uh, <laughs> city in, in Pennsylvania that has this right? Philadelphia is the only city in Pennsylvania that is defined as a city of the first class. Pittsburgh is the only city that is a city of the second class. 
Everyone else is either third, fourth, or fifth, or whatever. Philadelphia has had certain uh, legislatively created Philadelphia-specific procedures through their municipal court. But it literally took legislation through Harrisburg, voted by the uh, Pennsylvania legislature and signed by the governor in order to carve out this unique procedural situation for Philadelphia. Hmm. So rather than suggest, hey, we need to amend Pennsylvania law for Pittsburgh's decriminalization ordinance, we thought at least in the short term, okay, we can't call it civil. It has to be treated as a summary uh, criminal violation. It's not perfect. Uh, we don't have absolute uh, anonymity for people, but we, you know, I, I would say we're 80 percent of the way uh, to the way of accomplishing uh, what Philadelphia has done. Hmm. That's that's really fascinating. Uh, and how fascinating that your state law calls you a second class city. How insulting. <laughs> well, better than the third class I, I guess so and Butler. <laughs> I guess so well maybe in the future we can get that fixed in Pennsylvania law Pittsburgh can get real decrim 100% but 80% we'll take that that's a good thing no fingerprints no arrests hey that's a good day for me thank you Patrick for joining and us here and ultimately and just so, just so you know our goal in Pennsylvania is full uh, 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 full recreational full industrial full commercial but it's going to be baby steps getting there, and we know that. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks for call- talking to us today. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a Resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird. Okay, maybe you're high too. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law. 
in federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. There were three major news stories last week that provide more evidence to bolster the medical marijuana box canyon theory I've advocated since 2009. Simply put, the Box Canyon theory is that continuing to advocate solely for medical marijuana access for some rather than full legalization for all plays into the hands of governments that want to keep marijuana prohibited and pharmaceutical companies that want to see cannabinoids patented. First up, the Pennsylvania House passed that state's medical marijuana bill, sending it back to the Senate for reconciliation. It now looks like it will take a few weeks to finally get to the governor who says he will sign the bill. Pennsylvania would become the 24th state to pass a medical marijuana law. That means there'd finally be a majority of Americans living in a medical marijuana state, 51% of the population. But getting to that majority required weakening what a medical marijuana law means. In the 13 states that passed medical marijuana from 1996 to 2008, medical marijuana meant patients could grow cannabis plants and smoke marijuana. Starting in Arizona in 2010, medical marijuana in the next nine states meant patients could smoke marijuana, but only if they bought it from dispensaries. No home grow. Then in 2014 with New York and Minnesota, medical marijuana meant Patients could only use non-smokable cannabinoid products bought from dispensaries. No whole plant, no home grow. And that's the kind of law Pennsylvania is considering. No home grow, no smoked marijuana, edibles, tinctures, and oils only. Also remember that 2014 was the year Utah began the trend of passing highly flawed medical cannabidiol, sometimes called CBD-only laws. These laws have proliferated to 15 states and allow only the use of cannabinoid oils lacking almost any THC. They don't even provide access to the oil. Parents of epileptic children who use the oils have to smuggle them in from out of state. That's the first big story. Now, consider the second big news story from last week. The massive stock price increase enjoyed by Britain's GW Pharmaceuticals, which shot up from $38.46 a share to over $81.67 a share. The reason? GW's cannabis-based drug, Epidiolex, performed remarkably well in the first of four phase three clinical trials for the treatment of epilepsy. GW has been working to perfect cannabinoid pharmaceuticals for almost two decades. Its first run of trials for cancer-fighting drugs kind of panned out, and the company has been struggling along with just $5 million in annual sales. Epidiolex, it's estimated, could be worth $1.1 billion annually in just five years if these epilepsy trials continue to prove successful. 
I'll bet you're putting two and two together on these first couple of stories by now. If all these recent medical marijuana states don't let patients grow cannabis and base their laws on non-smokable cannabis products, and GW Pharmaceuticals manages to perfect their patented versions of non-smokable cannabis products, hold that thought. Hold that thought while you consider the third big story, which was Secretary Hillary Clinton's sweep of five Democratic primaries last Tuesday. Clinton's victories provide her with the better shot at clinching the Democratic presidential nomination. Her rival, Senator Bernie Sanders, favors removing marijuana from the Federal Controlled Substances Act. That move would provide the greatest freedom to states to prohibit, decriminalize, medicalize, or legalize marijuana as they see fit. But Clinton favors rescheduling cannabis from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2, keeping it in the Controlled Substances Act. Now, the reason all the current medical marijuana laws work is because doctors are offering recommendations to use cannabis medically. They cannot offer prescriptions for medical marijuana because a doctor cannot prescribe a Schedule 1 drug. Furthermore, medical use doesn't make marijuana legal. It merely exempts the medical user from criminal prosecution. But Schedule 2 drugs, like oxycodone, cocaine, and methamphetamine, are prescribable. Some argue that Schedule 2 would open up more research on medical marijuana, but cannabis is subject to its own rules regarding production. It's only allowed at Old Miss University, and its own rules on distribution, only through the National Institutes of Drug Abuse, and those things wouldn't necessarily change with the rescheduling. So, what happens in medical marijuana states when cannabis is something that must be dispensed only with a prescription under federal law? Furthermore, consider how today no insurance policy will cover medical marijuana because it's a federally illegal drug. But once it's in Schedule 2 and prescribable, why wouldn't insurance cover it? With that confluence of insurance companies freed to cover cannabinoid products and pharmaceutical companies ready to reap those insurance payments for their cannabinoid products, how much pressure can you imagine will be brought to bear to repeal medical marijuana laws in favor of the pharmaceutical model? First, it'll be the CBD-only states. Why have the parents driving out of state to get some CBD oil from Colorado when the local pharmacy can dispense some of GW Pharmaceuticals' Epidiolex and it's covered by the parents' health insurance. And then next, it'll be the no-home-grow and no-smokable marijuana states, as GW continues to refine its product line to cover spasticity, digestion, pain, nausea, and any other condition found in a state's medical marijuana law. Why have the state regulating and licensing a system of growing plants and processing them into medicines when GW is doing that already? And it fits perfectly in the existing pharmacy system. Even the states with homegrown medical marijuana might slowly succumb to the pressure. Already, Montana has severely curtailed their program, and there's a threat to eliminate it entirely. Nevada adopted Arizona's odious 25-mile halo rule, preventing any home grow within 25 miles of a dispensary. 
Every year that passes, it seems more clear to me that the end path of medical marijuana leads to a GW product on a pharmacy shelf. The only fight that guarantees whole plant medical marijuana access for every deserving patient is the fight for legalization of personal use and cannabis cultivation as a right, independent of one's health condition. I'm Radical Russ, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Joker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tell. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, Tokers and Tokets. Glad to have you here. Give me a quick second. Got to finish some typing. Just having to type up a uh, response here on Facebook. I had uh, I got haters out there, and so my latest hater uh, had to respond to. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Nightingale was our guest today earlier, and um, I've got a couple people out there that are all upset at me because I only support patients when I have time. And again, why he's done thing against patients? He does things against patients. Russ hates the patients. Medical is never exciting for Russ unless he can use it or the patients for airtime. Yes, I hate patients. I just absolutely hate them. I'm so evil. It's amazing what I have to go through reading the comment section sometimes and what people, how they form opinions of me because they disagree with me on certain things. 
the the latest here is um, Tory's got a big problem with me because patients have been devastated in Washington and Oregon since legalization has happened. Therefore, it's legalization's fault. See, the, the patients, if anything bad happens to patients after legalization happens, then of course it's legalization's fault because post hoc ergo propter hoc, right? Because thing A happened and then thing B happened. Well, obviously thing A must have made thing B happen. That's the way these people think. And, and, and the first thing I have to say whenever I address this is, so what's the alternative? That we would have never legalized? That we should have never legalized marijuana. Don't legalize marijuana until there can be an absolute guarantee that it will never affect any patient whatsoever in any way. Is that the alternative, Tori? And, and hey, not to call you out, feel free to give me a call. Phone line's open, 971-533-7111. But personally, I've just about had it with all you keyboard commandos out there on Facebook calling me out saying all sorts of terrible things about me, but not a single one of you has the huevos rancheros to pick up the goddamn phone and try to make your case on the air. You want to sit here and accuse me of using patients, of being against patients, of hating patients, but you don't have the guts to call it up and say it to my face? Bunch of cowards. Cloaking yourself in the high horse and the mantle of, oh, I'm a patient advocate. I help the most sick and disabled people. Well, good for you. I'm glad you do. But you do realize that the sick and disabled people are a tiny sliver of a fraction of the people whose lives are devastated by this marijuana prohibition day in and day out. And I am sick and tired of us having to wait until nirvana is achieved for all patients before we help the first recreational person not get busted it smacks of the same kind of arrogance i hear from prohibitionists well if you don't want to get busted for marijuana just don't smoke marijuana of course i have to smoke marijuana because i'm a patient i'm special i deserve special rights sick of it hate me all you want call me all the names you want You can't point to anybody who has done more for more aspects of the cannabis community in promotion, in education, and lobbying and advocacy than me. Take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with cannabisradio.com. Don't be late. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, 
You want a fired up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired up lawyer or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. The Russ Belleville Show where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good plot, that's bad plot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. I'm certainly going to be pissing some people off today, but you know, <laughs> I've just had it. I, I've done, uh, you know, and this is a different discussion when we're talking about medical marijuana patients in the East Coast, people in Pennsylvania fighting to get the barest access to non-smoked materials that they'll have to get from one out of ten dispensaries in a state. No, what we're talking about are the medical marijuana people on the West Coast, California, Washington, Oregon, who've been swimming in weed for a decade and a half now, who've had the laxest, most easily navigable medical marijuana programs, who've gotten away with pushing the most loopholes and stretching the greatest exceptions to hold things like medical cannabis cups and medical judging events and medical expos and seminars where I see commerce occurring, money being exchanged hand over fist in what is, of course, certainly an altruistic pursuit just to help patients, I'm sure. Folks, I'm tired of it. I'm going to keep calling you on it, especially out on the West Coast where the shenanigans that have been fostered by medical marijuana have led to people's deaths in the East. I'm not doing this. This That's not hyperbole, folks. California, Oregon, Washington, to some extent Colorado, to some extent Montana for that matter, pushing medical marijuana shenanigans and loopholes and exceptions to the breaking point are what have made it so that Pennsylvania has to fight over the barest minimum non-smokable, non-flower medical marijuana law because their legislators point to the West Coast and go, oh, no, 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 we're not going to be like that. We're not going to be like Washington State where a naturopath can sit in a tent at Hempfest and hand out recommendations to skateboard kids for their anxiety before the Cottonmouth Kings. No, we're not going to be like that. 
We're not going to be like Oregon where they card stack cards of growers so they can grow massive cannabis farms where they admit to the media that they pay their workers in weed when they admit that they're selling weed against the law at the time as it was written, where we see trunk loads of that card stacked Oregon medical marijuana being seized by multiple, multiple police agencies heading east because it's being diverted for profit by these so-called medical growers. Legalization didn't do that. That was medical marijuana doing that for 15 years. And of course, California, where famously anybody can go into any quack on Venice Beach, point to a sign that says they've got insomnia or anxiety, have no real sort of, of uh, relationship with that doctor, no real sort of examination from that doctor, walk out with a medical marijuana doctor's permission slip, got bikini girls twirling signs on Venice Beach. Was medical marijuana really pushing really hard? Did I hear a whole lot of those activists making a bunch of noise about how we need to rein that in? No. The, med- the medical marijuana activists I knew throughout the past decade were the ones pushing all of those loopholes. It was the medical marijuana activist lawyers in Washington state that were giving cover to the people that wanted to run dispensaries by saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we know dispensaries are illegal. We know you can't have a storefront. So, no, 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 this building with a counter and all this weed in front of it that you're selling to people, why, it's not a storefront. No, you're a caregiver. You're a caregiver caring for one patient at a time who stands in line at your storefront. Oh, I'm sorry. Not storefront, right? You're a caregiver. And they'll show up one at a time and you'll sign them up to be your caregiver and then you'll sell them weed and then you'll take them off as your caregiver so that the next person in line you can then be the caregiver for. That wasn't legalization that caused that sort of shenanigans. Those were medical marijuana advocates and medical marijuana lawyers finding those loopholes that they knew were not what the people intended and not what the people voted for and stretching them to the breaking point. Now, I'm not calling them out because I'm against that. I'm all for getting as much medicine to as many people as possible and subverting the dominant paradigm and and rebelling against the status quo. That's great. But don't do that and then come back and try to blame the legalizers for the black eye that was given to medical marijuana through those shenanigans. Own up to the fact you knew it when you were stretching these regulations. Oh my God, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to react to this. The whole idea was we were going to keep pushing it, keep pushing it and keep pushing it until we could finally get it legalized. And so now we get it legalized and we get literally people complaining in Oregon over the fact that one address might only be limited to growing 96 plants. Oh, oh, my stars and garters. Only 96 plants. My goodness, how will anyone survive? Obviously, patients will be dying in the streets with only 96 plants at a country garden. 48 for a brand new country garden. And the real one that's got them all pissed off is only 12 plants in a residential garden. Yeah, if you live in a city in a residential area where you got neighbors on all sides of you. I'm sorry. You can only grow just a dozen plants. That's all just a dozen. Oh yeah. And you can grow an additional four 
that are allowed under Measure 91 for the recreational purposes. So you could actually grow 16 of these plants. And don't forget, the Oregon law was just changed. So on the medical marijuana side, the seedlings and the immature plants aren't even counted anymore. So yeah, we went from a situation where a person could grow for themselves six mature plants and 18 immature plants. Now they can grow six mature plants and infinity immature plants. There's no limit on the immature plants. It got medical marijuana got better in that respect. Not only did it get better in that respect, medical marijuana got better in the respect of how much concentrate patients can possess. The new definitions in Measure 91 switched it so that hash oil, hashish, mechanical press, rosin press, any of the ice water hashes, you can have up to a pound of it. You can have up to two pounds of it before you even get anything worse than a ticket. And of course, legalization made it so that anybody who wants to use marijuana for a medical purpose can without having to pay $200 to the state in protection money. But the dominant theme of medical marijuana activists lately has been, oh, no, legalization has happened and that's ruined medical. Any bad thing that happens to medical now, why, let's scapegoat legalization because, sure, it had nothing to do with what anything medical marijuana has been doing for the past 15 years. Medical marijuana advocates and the lawyers behind them and, and the things that have happened, completely innocent. It's all because we stopped trying to lock up black and brown people for using it for fun. Wow, that ruined everything. And look, this attitude, this separate and unequal attitude from the medical marijuana community is going to come to an end and not because of anything I do, but because of the natural evolution of this issue. GW pharmaceutical stock shot up 130% on the news that it passed just the first of its four phase three clinical trials just for epilepsy. This is just one drug for one condition. And when epilepsy is crossed off that list to qualifying conditions for the cannabis plant, because, hey, you don't need it no more. We got this pill for you. That's exactly the same route the rest of those conditions are going to go. Medical marijuana is going to erode from this point forward. If you are going to try to keep your focus and, and try to maintain this fiction that somehow the people that are sick deserve better rights, don't deserve to go to jail, but the people who aren't sick do deserve to go to jail or be punished. That fiction is ending. And if you want to have access to the whole plant, you better get on my side. Because GW Pharmaceuticals is coming, Epidiolex is coming, Sativex is coming, and a whole bunch of other trade names that haven't been made up yet. The cannabis plant genome is being sequenced the studies will begin in many of these states that have passed legalization. In the next presidential administration, if a Democrat is elected, it will at least be rescheduled to Schedule 2. More research will happen, more synthesis, more trial, and more standardization of cannabis is coming. There won't be a medical marijuana movement. 
Can anybody think of the medical insulin movement? The medical aspirin movement? No. Once these things become standardized, they're just things. Once they're standard and legal, there's no movement about it. In 10 years, marijuana will be standardized and legalized enough that anybody who needs it for whatever medical condition they need will be able to get a prescription from their doctor. It'll be paid for by their insurance and they will pick it up at a pharmacy. So if you want in that world access to the whole plant marijuana, you can't base your access on medical need anymore. You don't have a high horse anymore. Your horse is, is uh, I don't want to say extinct, is <laughs> obsolete. There we go. Your horse is obsolete. The car has been invented. You don't get a high horse anymore. Your medical use doesn't make you special anymore. Now, if you want to touch the plant, you're just a pothead, just like the rest of us. And if you want to touch the plant, then you got to fight for everybody's right to touch the plant. And maybe that's where, maybe that's where my problem comes with this is I hate being treated separate, but unequal. I hate being treated differently because I'm healthy, that I deserve more scorn because I merely enjoy cannabis rather than need it. Hey, bud, <laughs> let's party. <laughs> but that's okay, Tori, bud, all you Facebook haters, keep on hating. I know I wouldn't be pissing you off so much if I wasn't right. Happy 420, everyone, in the Mountain Time Zone and here in Arizona, where we don't do that stupid daylight savings. Be back right after this. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while. Share. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. 
the instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. My attitude is a little bit better adjusted now. (laughs) I get mad sometimes. You know me. I think what makes me most mad is this uh, attempt to portray me as some sort of cartoon mustache-twirling villain who hates patience. And, And I think why that really bugs me is because... I get to talk to patients outside of the Pacific time zone. I actually travel outside of the Green Coast. I actually make my way to places like Texas and Virginia and Florida and Georgia, where patients there hear about medical marijuana advocates in Oregon bitching about a 12-plant garden limit and uh, they think, yeah, you ought to come, come east for a while. Hang out with uh, my uncle who's, uh, who's got cancer. And uh, an ounce of weed costs 400 bucks when you can find it, if it's any good. And if you're caught with even the joint, you're going to get cuffs slapped on you and a misdemeanor charge. You're going to lose your job and you're going to be profiled throughout your small town there in the south. And it's going to be difficult for you and your family. So, yeah, maybe my perspective is a little skewed here. Maybe when friends of mine, like Vincent Lopez, fight from their wheelchair in places like Texas and then pass away before he's ever able to use a single bit of medical legal marijuana in his state. Maybe it just affects me personally. Maybe when I know listeners of my show, who are these patients in these states who are fighting every day and every week just to score another bag, just to hope they don't get busted, just to keep it on the down low and not long enough in the hopes that maybe someday Maybe their state would pass something. People who listen to me day in, day out, hoping to hear the latest bit of news that might portend that their freedom is is coming sometime in their lifetime. Maybe that's why I get so mad. I wish these people could just ride along with me sometimes. Come and meet Alexis Bortel. In Texas, come meet a 10 year old girl who had to leave all her friends and family behind, move to a completely different state just to live. So, sorry, when you tell me medical marijuana has been destroyed in Washington and Oregon, it's been destroyed 
Oh, what? Nobody can have medical marijuana anymore? Oh, no. People can still have medical marijuana. Oh, I see. Okay. So they can't, uh, they can't shop at dispensaries anymore? Oh, no, no. They can, they can still shop at dispensaries? Okay. I see. I see. Um, so can they still possess as much marijuana? Well, in Oregon, they can. They can still possess up to a pound and a half of marijuana. Yeah, that's right. 24 ounces of marijuana. Washington state, they did cut it down. It was, uh, like 50, it was like 24 ounces and now it's down to three ounces. You can only have three ounces in uh, Washington state, just three. That's all. So yeah, it's devastating. It's, it's the worst thing ever. Oh, and, and the new one in, in Oregon that everyone's freaking out about is the Oregon health authority deciding that dispensaries can't sell extracts made by unlicensed processors. Well, unlicensed extracts were illegal, in the beginning, and they're illegal now, and now they're not able to be sold at these dispensaries until October. So it's not even a permanent end to extracts. It's just until the licensing can happen. And, of course, everybody's screaming bloody murder. Oh, my God. It's the end of medical. Medical is over because of legalization. Now, there are some problems we need to fix with legalization. We need to get some sort of public smoking place. Washington felonizing cannabis clubs. Oregon using the Clean Air Act to make them illegal. Yes, those are problems. Those are definitely problems. But they weren't technically legal before. Uh, yeah, Kelly in our chat room is bringing up that they can sell anything they purchased prior to March 1st. So on one hand, they're saying the illegal extracts are okay. But then, yeah, he's a good point, right? So like if you'd already bought unlicensed extracts, you got a stack of them on the shelf at your dispensary. You can still sell them. You just, after March 1st, can't get any new unlicensed extracts. So yeah, they're going to sell out of their inventory. But I'll tell you what's really going to happen. What's really going to happen is people are going to go across the Glen Jackson Bridge and go across the Interstate Bridge. They're going to go to Vancouver and they're going to buy extracts. If they're not in the Portland area, if they're somewhere else, they're going to get extracts from some source on the black market like they always have. This any time that there's any scare story coming out of Washington or Oregon of patients will die because of this change, it's bullshit. The access might become a little more difficult on a temporary basis, but people are still going to get their medicine. People are still going to be fine. There are changes happening. We are finally legalizing marijuana for all people. The net effect of this is good for everyone, especially patients, especially in Oregon when it's $200 for a medical marijuana card. $200 for a medical marijuana card so that you can have 24 ounces and grow six plants. When for $0, you can have one ounce in public, eight ounces at home and grow four plants. So what? You're going to spend 200 bucks to get an extra two plants and triple the possession at home? Really? All right, let me get off this topic because, like I said, it kind of riles me up, and I want to make sure we covered some of the other news stories that are kind of floating around uh, on the uh, on the feed today. And there's this interesting one. We got kind of a couple of international stories here we can bring you. And 
The first one comes, comes to us from the Canadian province of Alberta, home of Edmonton, right? Alberta liquor stores contemplating pot sales. Uh, the finance minister there in the province of Alberta kind of made a joke that we ought to sell weed through the liquor stores once, you know, Justin Trudeau and the liberals uh, managed to get it legalized. And the Alberta Liquor Store Association said, well, let's find out. Maybe that's a good idea. Yvonne Martinez, she's the president of the Alberta Liquor Store Association, says, quote, we started the conversation back last year when the new federal government had a policy of legal marijuana, end quote. So they're saying in Alberta, the members of this uh, liquor store association are being asked about the idea through a formal survey and conversations with store owners, and they'll release the results at the end of April. And she hopes that they'll develop a policy position on retail pot stores, uh, retail pot sales in the liquor stores. And they say, you know, there's a lot of positives to this. They're already used to. IDing customers. They're already used to monitoring distribution of a substance. They've already got the brick and mortar buildings, right? Other folks don't like the idea. So, some people think that it's a bad idea to, to mix the two. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the idea of there being an adult store. Right, you can buy porn, liquor, weed, cigarettes. Let's put all the adult stuff in just one store. Check IDs of everybody and and be done with it. Right, don't have to have these separate buildings. It's weird how in uh, Colorado and Oregon and Washington, for that matter, they've made such a point of keeping alcohol and marijuana separate, despite the fact that the Oregon Liquor Control Commission is in charge of marijuana and the Washington state liquor control board, which has been renamed now the liquor and cannabis board, but the liquor people in Washington were put in charge of it. Colorado, they came up with their own division and that was the marijuana enforcement division already existed for medical marijuana. But in Washington and Oregon, both States put their liquor regulators in charge of marijuana. And the first thing these liquor regulators wanted to do is to make sure that liquor and marijuana didn't mix. And, and I wonder how much of that is, their own protecting of the, of the liquor markets. If liquor is in one store and marijuana is in a different store, that's two different trips. And maybe that, that means when you make your liquor store trip trip, you're still buying the same amount of liquor. But if both of them are in the same store, maybe there's a drop off in the liquor sales as people decide to augment their purchase with marijuana. Hard to tell. Uh, they always like to couch these things in concerns for the public health. Oh, we found when you mix alcohol and marijuana, it's far worse on the roadways, which is true. It's, uh, it's like 24 times greater crash risk compared to uh, liquor alone is 13 times greater. But uh, yeah, interesting. So Canada already looking at liquor stores selling marijuana. Our other international story that I thought was uh, interesting, and I mentioned this um, in brief uh, a couple shows ago, but this loophole in New Zealand that allows people to use medical marijuana. Well, I told you how this story has to do with this uh, loophole in New Zealand law that says if you're a patient 
from a foreign country and you have a prescription for a certain substance and you bring that with you to New Zealand, you're legal to have it so long as it's a month or less worth of your prescription. You can't bring in six tons or whatever, but if it's a month's worth of prescription, you can have that in New Zealand. So this, we found the woman who's at the center of this story. Her name is Rebecca Ryder. And she is the one who discovered this loophole because the judge let her off of charges for importing cannabis. She was originally, she's a New Zealand citizen, but she's originally from California. And in California, she's been using medical marijuana for 10 years. She's got numerous doctors attesting to her chronic pain. And so she's got this recommendation in California she goes to New Zealand and she mails some cannabis chocolates ahead to New Zealand. Well, the, the postal service in New Zealand catches them and then they go to her door and they arrest her for importing this controlled substance. And she says, no, I've got this recommendation from my doctor and medical cannabis is legal. And, uh, her lawyer discovered the loophole, which says if the medicine was lawfully prescribed overseas and brought into the country, into New Zealand, and it's for medical purposes and it's one month's supply, then it's lawful. There is no offense under the Misuse of Drugs Act. But here's where I wonder if this lady in New Zealand has gotten the benefit of a certain amount of ignorance amongst the judiciary there in New Zealand, because nobody in America has a prescription for medical cannabis. Cannabis is not lawfully prescribed in America. It's recommended and given an affirmative defense. Shh, don't tell no one. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast. What I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. world. 
most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know. Because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 38 after the hour. We're live here in Scottsdale, Arizona at the headquarters for CannabisRadio.com. Reminding you that the Tommy Chong Podcast, Episode 3, airs tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Join Tommy and his son, Paris, for an enlightening chat from the master of cannabis comedy, Tommy Chong, exclusively here on CannabisRadio.com. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about something called the Starbucks effect. I'm just naming it. I call it the Starbucks effect. And I'm naming this after what we hear from shocked prohibitionists and media sometimes when they'll point out, did you know in Denver, Colorado, there are more dispensaries than Starbucks? You hear this a lot, right? Oh, my God, there's more dispensaries than Starbucks. And I've always faulted this reasoning because you're talking about comparing a specific apple to a whole set of oranges. More dispensaries than Starbucks. Okay, I believe you. But are there more dispensaries than places I can buy coffee? I doubt it. See, dispensary is generic place I can buy weed. Starbucks is specific place I can buy coffee. So it's an apples to oranges comparison. It's always been stupid every time I've heard it. It's the stupidest scare story. Well, now the Starbucks effect is working in reverse. (laughs) The Starbucks effect is actually working in our favor. Coming from Forbes magazine, Niall McCarthy uh, wrote this piece about how America's 2015 marijuana sales are higher than Dasani and Oreos. And the point here is that, oh, weed is so popular. It's the new boom. It's, it's amazing, this product that's so popular, right? And points out that, that in America in 2015, legal marijuana sales were $3.4 billion. They say in 2016, it could go as high as $4.5 billion. And then he makes this nice little graph that compares legal marijuana sales, $3.4 billion, against these different brands of snack foods. And, and I don't know if snack foods on purpose because we're stoners, but first he goes with Dasani. That's, uh, I think, Coca-Cola's brand of bottled water, right? Dasani, $1 billion in sales. DiGiorno's Pizzas, $975 million in sales. Girl Scout Cookies, $776 million in sales. Oreos, $711 million in sales. Pringles, $514 million. Twizzlers, two hundred and three million, right? And and the, and the effect here is to sp- is to point out, wow, isn't it amazing how popular marijuana is? It's it's more popular than Girl Scout cookies and and Dasani water and so forth, right? But that's just the Starbucks effect. Again, it's not an accurate comparison. We were talking about the generic how much marijuana was sold versus the specific how much of Dasani brand water or Oreo brand cookies or Twizzlers brand licorice was sold. It's not an accurate comparison. How well did marijuana sales do versus bottled water, period? 
Not just Dasani. Throw in your Aquafina, your Fiji, your generic store brands. How well did bottled water do against weed? DiGiorno pizza. No. How well did legal marijuana do against pizza? Period. I, I, I hate it when people lie with statistics, even when it works in our favor, folks. It's just not, it's just not accurate. And, I'm, and this isn't to say that marijuana is not a big boom industry and, and economic engine. But let's not get ahead of ourselves and say, oh, my God, we're better than cookies. No. Oreos and Girl Scout cookies combined were, were $1.4 billion. I bet we could find another $2 billion worth of cookies if we started getting into Chips Ahoy and uh, Pepperidge Farm and <laughs> a bunch of others, right? So let's not be patting ourselves on the back about how great marijuana is. I mean, it is great. It is a great economic engine, but let's have some accurate perspective on this, shall we? Also, uh, want to talk a little bit about politics. Of course, today's election day here in the state of Arizona. I'm not voting in Arizona. I'm, I'm voting in Oregon. But a lot of people heading out to the polls. The uh, primary elections have been a big story here in Arizona. Uh, Bernie Sanders did a couple of uh, well-attended rallies, as did Donald Trump. And while Trump was down here, people formed a roadblock with their cars on the two major roads that led to Trump's rally. They formed these roadblocks. They parked their cars in the middle of the road. There's one picture here in the local paper of a woman, an activist, who'd used one of those U-shaped kryptonite bicycle locks to lock her neck to the body of her car. That's how badly they wanted to protest Donald Trump. And there's a piece up in Leafly that asks, why isn't the cannabis industry feeling the burn, noting that there was a lot of donation to Rand Paul from the... uh, marijuana community, but hardly any donation to Bernie Sanders from the marijuana community. As far as we're talking to marijuana industry, right? Why is that? They try to explain it away by saying, you know, there's more, the, the money's better spent on people that can do work at the state level. Well, Rand Paul is a senator and Bernie Sanders is a senator. They both represent states. There's work that can be done at the state level. Oh, well, no. The other reason is because you know, the cannabis industry, you know, Bernie Sanders is such a long shot. They don't want to throw money at him when he, he's not likely to win. Hello, Rand Paul was out of this race how long ago? And he was always considered a long shot, but the cannabis industry seemed to have no problem shoveling some money his way. I think some of this has to do with the fact that a lot of the people in the cannabis industry, people involved at the capital level, are highly libertarian in nature. It's my belief that these business people in the cannabis industry put business ahead of legalization because clearly Bernie Sanders is the best candidate when it comes to marijuana legalization. He wants to de-schedule marijuana, the best possible thing that can happen for the industry. But I think a lot of the industry people, that's not as big to them as, oh no, he's he's a democratic socialist that'll raise our taxes and and, and give people free stuff. We can't vote for that. So I'm a little upset that we haven't seen more in donations from the cannabis industry to the Bernie Sanders campaign, especially when we check out the candidates and their stand on marijuana. Let's start with Hillary Clinton. This is Hillary Clinton speaking at the Democratic debate debate in Nevada. I do support 
the use of medical marijuana. And I think even there, we need to do a lot more research so that we know exactly how we're going to help people uh, for whom uh, medical marijuana provides relief. More research. More research, because 29,000 studies in PubMed and 4,700 years of medical use documented throughout history without a single death just doesn't quite tell us what we need to know, does it, Hillary? We, we, gosh, we need, I'm for it, but you know, we need more research. That's, that's your Hillary Clinton stand. Now, let's hear what Donald Trump has to say about medical marijuana. You might be surprised. Legalized marijuana is always a very difficult question for medicinal purposes, for medical purposes. Absolutely, it's fine. Absolutely, it's fine. Say what you will about Donald Trump, and believe me, there's plenty to say. But at least on this issue, in a vacuum, forget everything else, but in this one issue, he's better on the issue than Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is still not sure. Well, well, yeah, I'm for it, but yeah, we need research. Yeah, maybe. Trump, absolutely, 100%. Absolutely for it. Sounds like the better candidate on medical marijuana, doesn't he? But of course, neither of them stand anywhere close to Bernie Sanders' stand. Right now, marijuana is listed by the federal government as a Schedule One drug meaning that it is considered to be as dangerous as heroin. That is absurd. In my view, the time is long overdue for us to remove the federal prohibition on marijuana. Absolutely. Remove the federal prohibition on marijuana. Remove it. Don't reschedule. Don't shuffle it around. It does not belong in the schedule. And Bernie Sanders is the only candidate out there accurately telling people the truth about this issue that it does not belong on the schedule. Here's more from Bernie. I know that heroin is a killer drug and we got to stay away from heroin and we got to do everything that we can to make sure our kids do not get addicted to heroin. We also know... And people can argue with this till the cows come home and scientists dispute it. Marijuana is not heroin. Now, I'm not here advocating for marijuana. I've done marijuana twice in my life when I was very young. And what it did for me is it made me cough a lot. That was my response. But I gather other people have had different experiences. I don't know. Marijuana is listed as a Schedule One drug alongside of heroin. I agree. And that is why I believe we should take marijuana out of the Federal Controlled Substance Act. So we're in a situation now where the top three remaining presidential contenders are at the very least supportive of medical marijuana. And we've got Bernie Sanders calling for absolute end to federal prohibition. So the caucuses and primaries are going on in Idaho, Utah, and Arizona. We'll tell you more about that on tomorrow's show once we have some results. And uh, there's also interesting news coming out of the uh, CNN poll, the latest CNN poll, 
on the presidential candidates. And it's very interesting because it finds that Bernie Sanders beats all three of the remaining Republicans, while Hillary Clinton can only beat Donald Trump. Sanders beats Donald Trump by 20 points. Clinton beats Donald Trump by 12. Sanders beats uh, uh, Rafael Eduardo Cruz by 13 points. Clinton ties with Cruz. Bernie Sanders beats John Kasich by six points. Clinton loses to John Kasich by six points. It's clear that the stronger candidate in the Democratic field is Bernie Sanders. And furthermore, there's also a CBS News New York Times poll out. In that poll, Hillary Clinton beats Donald Trump 50 to 40. Bernie Sanders beats Donald Trump 53 to 38. He does five points better than Hillary Clinton does. And of course, Hillary Clinton, her favorable numbers, only 31% of the registered voters find her favorable only 24% find Donald Trump favorable. 52% of voters have an unfavorable opinion of Hillary Clinton. A majority. 20% of Democrats have an unfavorable opinion of Hillary Clinton. And yet Democrats, it looks, it looks like they want to nominate Hillary. So um, don't blame me for President Trump. Blame Debbie Wasserman Schultz. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. Hey, this is Willie Nelson, or Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. 
Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 54 after the hour, just closing things up here at Cannabis Radio headquarters here in Scottsdale. I want to remind you to join us tomorrow for the show. We've got a special guest joining us, author Josh Hout. He's written a book called Three Alight. We'll find out all about it on tomorrow's show. Then on Thursday, Cops Say Legalized Drugs will have another great speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And on Friday, we're going to be speaking with Alec Rockford. He's with a social media platform called Doobie. We'll find out all about that. It's all coming up on the Russ Belleville Show the rest of this week, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, live on CannabisRadio.com, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. And then remember, next week, I will be in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be doing some live shows from Las Vegas. We'll have Dr. Mitch on our Monday show as usual. And on Wednesday, we'll speak with Doug Fine in our Hemp Day Hump Day update. It does not look as if I'm going to make it out to the East Coast for uh, the D.C. smokeout or to the Ann Arbor hash bash. So many trips we've got to take here in the next three months, and I kind of have to prioritize them, make sure that, you know, if I'm going to fly out to the East Coast, there needs to be two or three different gigs going on to make that expensive plane ticket worth it. So flying out for one day, hash bash or smokeout, doesn't look like it's really going to happen. But we will be out uh, starting on April 14th for the Patients Out of Time Conference. The 14th, 15th, and 16th, that's Thursday through Saturday, we will be in Baltimore, Maryland at the Baltimore Harbor Hotel and uh, bringing you all the latest from the Alliance for Clinical Therapeutics and all the greatest information on medical marijuana research will be presented there at the Patients Out of Time Conference. That's Thursday through Saturday. And then Sunday and Monday... I will be at Mark Kleiman's Cannabis Summit in New York at New York University. And uh, looks like we'll have Mark Kleiman on the show as well in the next couple of weeks, too, to preview this. So that should be fun. And the next Tuesday through Thursday, the 19th through the 21st of April, I'll still be in New York City at the United Nations General Assembly Special Session on Drugs their first special session since 1998. I just applied for all my media credentials through the UN. So that was fun. Uh, I will be a UN accredited journalist. That'll be a lot of fun. So if you're going to be in Baltimore for patients out of time or anywhere in the New York area uh, around the week of 420 and 420 is on a Wednesday this year. So that's 420 week. I will be in New York. I would love to meet you there. So let me know. I'm at Radical Russ on everything. Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, SoundCloud, YouTube, and more. There's no excuse for not getting a hold of me, folks. <laughs> well, that sound means that we are out of time here for our two-hour block on CannabisRadio.com. We'll be back tomorrow with more news and interviews you can use for the cannabis community. Feel free to send me an email, RadicalRuss at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail message. 
For everyone here at Cannabis Radio Headquarters in beautiful, sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. And it goes down smooth.